Years ago, and you know that this was a crime rather than harm, parents gave their children unique names. Real peculiar names, in fact. I don't believe that that is still being done today. It is? I'll give you, I'll give you a, an example. You know, if, if Cedric were to name Danielle and Abigail using this methodology, <laughs> perhaps, perhaps, <laughs> there you go. Cedrica, that's right, Cedrica and Cedrino would have been the names <laughs> of his girls. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I guess my daughters, rather than Danielle and Alex, would have been Lindenick. Lynchelle. Lynchelle. Okay, Lynchelle. Okay, But there are really some lovely names that uh, people have thoughtfully chosen for their children. Faith is one of them. Right? You know, you know that one? Faith? And anyone did that name? Faith. And then, then there is joy. And there's hope. I don't know if there's anyone, have you heard the name Mercy before? Mercy. Mercy, really. Mercy. Mercy. And then there is another one. Grace. Grace. That's that's right, that's a common one. But what a what a beautiful name that is. Grace. It's not just beautiful because of the way it sounds, but it's beautiful because of what it means. Grace. Imagine calling your daughter Grace every time you look at her and you think of Grace. God's grace. And whenever she hears the name, she thinks of grace. God's grace. How we can preach with the names that we give to our children. Grace, God's unmerited favor. Grace. We live by it. We're saved by it. The Lord God Almighty gives us grace to endure. Everything that we are is an expression of God's grace. Yes, even the unbeliever receives common grace. The Bible teaches us that it is he who causes the rain to fall, both on the just and the unjust. Grace is the believer's bread. Grace marks our relationship with God. You see, we need company. God gives us grace because of who he is and because of who we are. Justice says give him what he deserves. Grace says give him unmerited favor. Grace, aren't you glad for grace? Aren't you glad for grace? Let us pray. Father, we preach on this wonderful word that truly means 
the world to watch its parades. We ask, O Lord, that you would be pleased to grant to us grace, grant to me grace, so that I might receive from you as I share your word with those you love. Grant grace, O Lord, to them, indeed to all of us, so that we would hear aright and that we would follow aright. In Jesus' name, and all God's people say, Amen. We continue a five-part series this morning. On the topic is Jesus speaks. Jesus speaks. Thus far, we've covered Jesus speaks about greed, worry, and sin. Today, we come to this fourth installment of our five-part series. Jesus speaks about grace. I'm going to invite you now to turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, and there we will read verses 1 through 16. And I'm going to struggle because my glasses, are, my eyes aren't as good as they used to be. I need grace. I need glasses. Grace to be. So, so we can try this now. I'm going to try this and see how this goes. I, I really should have got the big prints here. Oh my. Let's, let's try it like this. Let's see if this works. Done. All right. Let's do this. <laughs> okay. For the kingdom of heaven Sorry, does anyone have a Bible? Right yeah, this, yeah, I think that will happen. I, I'm sorry to do this. Perhaps it's the lighting here. I'm not sure. But. Okay, sorry. That's good. Thank you so much. Oh, sorry. All right. Matthew chapter 20. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Right? The kingdom of heaven, this is Jesus speaking now, and Jesus says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a, a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Verse 2, after agreeing with the laborers for a denarius, a day, he sent them into his vineyard. So the, the master goes out to hire laborers. He perhaps goes to an area where they would traditionally congregate, and he agrees with some of them, not all of them, he agrees with some of them to work in his vineyard for a specified amount, a denarius, a day's wage. Verse 3, and going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. So having hired the first set of workers, right, having hired the first set of workers, and having agreed with them, that word agreed is very important in this context. The, the master agreed with the first set of laborers to pay them a denarius, 
They go to work in the vineyard. Then three hours later, Master goes back out. And he saw others standing idle, know that word, and they're standing idle in the marketplace. And to them, he said, you go into the vineyard too. And whatever is right, I will give you. Whatever is right. Note here that there is no clear amount that is given to these workers. He says, whatever is right, I will give you. This is the third hour now. So now we've got two sets of workers. Those who went early in the morning, those who went the third hour, and then in verse 5, Jesus says, so they went, going out again, going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. So the master went out two other times, went out six, in sixth hour and the ninth hour, and he did exactly the same as he did during the third hour. So now we have four sets of workers. Those who agreed to Daenerys at the, at the beginning, those who agreed that the, ma that the master will you know, take care of them somehow during the day, at the end of the walk period. And then in verse 6 it says, and about the 11th hour, he went out and found others standing. Note this verse here. This, this has some peculiarities too. Because firstly, we see that he went out the 11th hour. This is one hour before they had to get off from work. Just one hour. The master goes out again. And the Bible describes these people, these people that he saw, they were standing idle all day. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? That's a question he asked of this group but none of the others. They, say, they said to him, because no one has hired us. Notice that. No one has hired this group of people. Does it speak about them? Does it say something about them? Do they have some history? No one has hired us. Then he said to them, you go into the video too. He sent them into the vineyard as well. And you might think that this master is a little confused, eh? Because you would think that perhaps he ought to just hire everybody at the beginning of the day and take them all there. But no, he has five lots of people that he sends into the vineyard. And verse 8. And when evening came, the older vineyard said to his former, Call the laborers and pay them their wages. See that? He says, pay them their wages. That's point one. Point two, he says, beginning with the last. You notice that? He doesn't say begin with the first. He says to the foreman, pay these laborers their wages beginning with the last. And then move to the first. Start with the last and move to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, 
each of them received, guess how much? A denarius. Remember that that was the promise he made to those who started. So those who started at the 11th hour, who worked just for one hour, received what the master had promised to those who were working all day. Now, guess what those people who were working all day must be thinking? They must be thinking, man, this is a good thing here. I mean, if he's paid these brothers who just started, who just came here for an hour, certainly those of us who were working under the sun's heat, the sun's rays, with our hands all messed up, steady all day. Surely we're going to receive at least 12 times, because we were 12 hours, they only worked one hour. And they got a denarius, so surely we're going to get 12. Verse 10. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. Now listen. Let's pause for a moment. Remember what Jesus said. Jesus is stating this parable. Go back to verse 1. Jesus said, For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house. So here Jesus is telling us, telling a parable about what the kingdom of heaven is like. And Jesus, here, you and I would ordinarily say, man, the kingdom of heaven is like this. This seems to be funny math here. The guys who came in at the 11th hour received the denarius, and those who came in at the beginning received the same thing. Something must be wrong, and indeed, in verse 11, on receiving their pay, those who came at the 11th hour grumbled at the master of the house. Listen to what they said. These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But the master replied to them. This is how he starts this. Friend. Somebody starts, friend. You gotta watch out for what they're about to say. He says, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give, I choose, I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. That's my choice. Verse 50, am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? Verse 60, so the last will be first and the first last. Now what kind of economy is this, this master, is operating in. Gives to the last, first, not only that, he gives them the same amount that he gave to those who were working all day. This parable is not disjointed from the rest of Matthew. As a matter of fact, if you start 
at, at verse 20, it gives you a sense that there must have been something that came before this. Take a look at it again. In verse 1 of chapter 20, it says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a master, which suggests that Jesus must have been talking about something prior to that. He says, For the kingdom of heaven. So this could easily have been a part of chapter 29. So the question is, what, what is it, what were they talking about that caused Jesus to introduce this particular parable? Let's take a look at it for a moment. If we go up to verse 27 of chapter 29, of, sorry, of 19, chapter 19 of verse Chapter 19, verse 27. It says to us that then Peter said in the fire, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? So Peter here, the disciples are talking about being rewarded. Right? What are we going to get? What is it, it for us? What's in it for us? And Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on proud thrones, judging the proud tribes of Israel. And everyone, Jesus says, who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake, will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But, but many who are first will be last, and the last first. Remember, that's how we ended the parable. Many who are first will be last, and the last first. So what is the, the sense? What is Jesus, what is Matthew in recording these Verses, what is he trying to say to us in essence? I believe that the essence of this passage is this. In the world, reward is based on one's efforts. In the kingdom, reward is derived from God's grace. In the world, reward is based on one's efforts. In the kingdom, reward is derived from God's grace. And to help us to navigate quickly through these verses, I've organized my thoughts around seven brief points. Some are going to take a little longer than others, but we're going to get through it. So I want us to consider seven things that this parable of equal wages for unequal work teaches us about grace. This parable of the laborers in the vineyard. What does it teach us about grace? The first thing that I believe it teaches us about grace is that those who would receive grace need no resume. 
or background check. Does not matter what you're doing prior. I think that that comes out clearly in these verses. In these verses, we see the, the master of the vineyard going into a field, into an area, looking for day laborers, looking for these guys who are hanging around, waiting for someone with his truck to come and pick them up and take them to work. And you've seen situations like this before. Nobody goes and asks for a character reference or a police certificate or anything of that nature. They just look and they just pick out persons that they think would qualify for the job. No experience required. No resume is needed. Jesus says in verse 1, verses 1 and 2, the kingdom of heaven is like a master of the house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for denarius a day, he sent them into the vineyard. Aren't you glad today that Jesus did not say that the kingdom of heaven is like a master who goes out to get astrophysicists last for their qualifications. Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is like this. One who goes out and seeks out people of low standing as far as society is concerned. Those who would receive grace do not need background checks. These day laborers. This should not be lost on us. Huh? I don't want us to lose sight of the fact that these were ordinary people. Some other category of workers could have been used, but Jesus, in this example, is teaching us about grace, about God's grace. He talks here about day laborers. Perhaps not as educated. Maybe most of them didn't finish high school. They were unskilled. And perhaps some of them had a past. Perhaps some of them were in jail and they couldn't get any other occupation. No other career. It is possible that some of them would have had a reputation. Maybe some of them had a reputation for hard work. Maybe, who knows? Maybe some of them might have worked for the master before. However, given their response in the end that we have already seen, it would seem that they had not walked with him before. Certainly they could not recall the experience. Perhaps today, perhaps today you are sitting in the seat of a day worker. You are without a resume that demonstrates qualifications for grace. 
Perhaps that's the way you feel. I don't qualify for grace. Indeed, sin seems to have overwhelmed your circumstances. You've been overwhelmed by sin in and out of something that you know is ungodly. Well, I'm glad that the parable, this parable that we come to today is about those rough day workers. It reminds me that no matter our past, we are all candidates for grace. No matter where you are today, reminds me that no matter where you are today, you're a candidate for grace. Yes, no matter our sin and no matter our guilt, there is still grace that overlaps. And let me say to you here now that perhaps you'll say, look, these guys who were chosen first, surely they didn't receive any grace because they got the same amount. But the fact of the matter is they were chosen. They didn't have to be chosen in the first place. The master chose them. So they too were beneficiaries of grace. Yes, no matter our sin and no matter our guilt, there is still grace that is able to overwhelm our experiences and our conditions. You remember the hymn writer who penned the words of marvelous grace. About this grace, the hymnist writes, Marvelous grace is of our dear loving Lord. Grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's Mount of Poor. There where the blood of the Lamb was spilled. Grace. These day laborers see grace having been hired without a resume, without any indication that they qualify for the job. The second thing that I believe that this parable teaches us is that grace is not transferable. The invitation is personal. Did you see that? Grace is not transferable. Not transferable. The, the master did not say to these laborers, would you recommend somebody to me? Would you, or would you go and bring another person with you? He didn't say that. He extended the invitation to these. Going out about the third hour, he saw others standing in the marketplace. He spoke to them, and he said, you go into the vineyard too. And whatever is right, I will give you. So they went, going out again, about the sixth hour, and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing, and he said to them, Why do you stand here, idle? This grace, God deals with us. God extends grace to us. It's for us. The invitation was extended to others. And the master himself did that. 
Well, my, one might tell a friend, we can, we can tell a friend about God's amazing grace. Ultimately, the invitation is personal and it's not transferable. The third point that I believe that this parable is teaching us about grace is that quality and quantity of work are not determinants for grace. Quality and quantity and of work are not determinants for grace. That's what this parable is teaching me. Consider verses 8 through 12. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages. Pay them all their wages. He didn't say go and check to see what they had done. He didn't say, check to see whether the guys who came in in the third hour, or the sixth hour, or the ninth hour, or the eleventh hour performed as well as those who came in and worked all day. He didn't, he did no such thing. Did no such thing. But I wonder. As you think about this, as you think about this horrible, do you think it's fair? Do you think it's fair? There's something about, we'll come back to that in a moment, but there's something about this account, something about this horrible that reminds me of the lost sheep. In Matthew 18, verses 12 to 14. And even the parable of the prodigal son, there's something about this that just they seem to, to link. You can you can you can get a sense that it is the same God that we are dealing with. The same shepherd. The shepherd is the master, and the father is the shepherd. They all speak to the Shepherds of the Father's special care for the one who was lost. Not to the exclusion of the others. Not to the exclusion. But there is this heart. There is a special place in the heart of the Father. There's a special place in the heart of the shepherd for the one who is lost. Having decided to pay the workers who all receive the same amount. There is no indication about quality. There is no indication that he checked for quantity. None whatsoever. It's the point that I'm making here to us this morning. Saying to us that grace, God's grace, is not dependent upon our work. God's grace is not dependent upon the quantity and the quality of your work. That's why it's grace, it's undeserved, it's God's unmerited favor. So today, you might say, you might feel like this sometimes. Perhaps you feel, you know, I haven't done enough. I haven't been good enough. In fact, I've been quite the opposite. Well, a buddy of mine sent me realizing that I had this message to preach this morning sent me a quotation that I want to share 
with you. It says, but the kingdom of God does not operate on the basis of commercial convention. God rules by grace, not by desert. The rewards which thus, which this gospel has so persistently spoken of are not earned, nor are they proportionate to human effort. This gospel about which we speak, this gospel of grace, not a gospel of what you deserve, not a gospel of what you have earned. It's not proportionate to human effort. Jesus is saying to us in this parable that quality and quantity of work are not determinants for grace. Perhaps those full day workers believe, as we said earlier, that. Listen, we are not beneficiaries of grace because we've been working all day. Well, you see, the point of this parable is exactly that. That the master had no regard for, for that whatsoever. He had no regard for the fact that they were there all day. He treated them all the same. He went out into the marketplace. Every few hours looking for some more. Upon whom he might bestow. Oh, grace, grace. What else does this parable teach us? The fourth thing I believe is that people's views do not determine the grace that you and I receive. People's views don't determine the grace that you and I receive. Take a look at verse 11. Well, let's start at number 10. Now, when those hired first came, remember now, what has, what has happened to this point is that everybody has been paid except those who came first, who started first. Everybody's gotten the same denarius. Then it says in verse 10, now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more. Right? That seems reasonable. But each of them also received the denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last workers, oh, these last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. Now, I need not tell you, behaviors, that you and I are just like these people. We compare ourselves with each other. We compare ourselves, and that's a part of the problem that we have as Christians. They were not concerned about whether they were receiving their contractual obligation. They were more concerned about what the master did for others. And they started to complain, and they started to grumble. You and I, can rest assured that God does not, is not moved by the opinion of others when it comes to grace. God's going to bless you whether your neighbor likes it or not. 
He's going to extend grace. He's going to save you whether your neighbor wants him to do it or not. Their views, just like these workers, those people about whom I just spoke, their views are of no importance. They don't factor in. They're not considered. Notice that the full-day workers did not say that their contract was violated. They didn't say that. They didn't come to the master and say, you listen, you know, you violated the contract. Because they couldn't say that. It was agreed that this is what they would receive. And they got precisely what was agreed. But instead, in essence, their argument was, this is their argument, you're giving them too much grace. You're giving them too much. You're being too kind to them. You're being generous to them. Here we were working in your vineyard all of these years, keeping the doors of the church open all of these years, preaching Sunday after Sunday. Here we were living holy lives. And everybody knows it. And then Johnny come lately comes around. And look at what you do for him. Look, it is so worthy how the master of the vineyard responded. Take a look at verse 13. He replied to one of them, friend, when you get an argument with somebody, he says, listen, friend, you know, something is about to come down, to go down. <laughs> Friend, you know he's about to tell him something. He, the master, exposed their merit-based position and revealed their selfishness. These laborers felt that the master ought to have taken his money, the master's money. And the master ought to have paid people based on merit. They're telling the master what to do with his money. The master says, Am I doing you wrong? Am I do I am doing you no wrong. I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree? Did they not agree? They did agree. The qualification of this last group of workers, it's quite it's noteworthy. This very last group of workers, I want us to, to take a look at them just for a moment within the context of what we now speak about. Remember, we said that people's views do not factor into whether we receive grace or not. Look at what they say about themselves. They said about themselves that no one would hire us. That was the opinion in the marketplace. These fellows over here aren't taking them because they're lazy. Or you can just look at them. Big belly fellas. 
Oh, jeez. <laughs> you know, they can Excuse me, they can <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know what? There's some skinny fellas too. <laughs> they might as well have had big bellies because they wasted their skinniness. <laughs> but they can't lift But you know, let's get back on track now. But hear about these people. Their neighbors had opinions about them. No one would hire us. Good for nothing. But this master, he hired them. He extended grace to them. These were likely the least desirable workers. I wonder if you've ever been in a place where those day workers have you ever been there where perhaps others thought that you were not worthy or perhaps you even thought that you were unworthy of grace? Are you there now? Are you in, seated in that place right now? Do you feel that there is something in your life that, man, I need some grace. I need some grace to handle this situation. Perhaps something has befallen you. Well, here's what you need to know about grace. The Father sees and knows and extends an invitation for you to come and to receive grace. And I can pray and ask the Lord for grace. Lord, grant grace to us. Grant us grace in situation A, B, or C. And we see the attitude of the master. He gives grace freely. He gives grace even at the 11th hour. When you think that they're just coming now, they, they're coming to, to take the car right now. I have, mind you, I had six months to deal with this situation. They're coming now. Grace for you to deal with that situation. Grace. What we must see, no matter where we are in life, no matter what we think of ourselves or what others think of us. Someone shared this with me. What we must see is not only that Jesus is gentle toward you, but that he is positively drawn toward you when you are most sure he doesn't want to be. It's not only that he is not repelled by your fallenness, he finds your need and emptiness and sorrow irresistible. That's the kind of God we serve. That's what this parable is telling us. This parable is telling us that when we think that we are at his lowest, he is at his most merciful. He finds us 
He finds our need. He finds our emptiness. He finds our sorrow irresistible. That's why he goes back. Goes back and he goes back and he goes back. The next thing I believe that this parable teaches us is that there is just one grace giver. There's only one. There's only one grace giver. It was the master of the vineyard alone who determined what each would receive. He did it alone. There is no place in this parable where we see the master of the vineyard consulting with anyone. He didn't consult with the foreman. He instructed the foreman. He didn't consult with the workers. He said, this is what I'm going to do for you. As a matter of fact, the master makes it real clear. He said, this is my stuff. This is my money. You want to tell me what to do with my things? Verse 13, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose, he says. I choose. It's the Lord's choice. It's God doing the choosing. It's him making the decisions. Aren't you glad today that we serve a God who is sovereign, who is providential even, who acts and operates in our affairs? He knows where you and I are, and he chooses, he says, I choose to give this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? And we know that everything belongs to the Lord. God is full of grace and mercy. The sixth thing this parable teaches us is truly the benefits of grace are too valuable to be earned. It's too valuable to be earned. The things that God gives to us too valuable to Perhaps you are unconvinced that the workers who started earlier and received what was promised got what? Got more than they deserved. Maybe you don't, you're not convinced of that. You might even feel that way about those hired nets. Surely you can't feel that way about those who were hired the 11th hour. Sure, you can't feel that way. You don't feel that, you don't believe that, that they put in a full day's work, though they received a full day's pay. Surely you don't believe that. The truth is that none of them could have worked hard enough. None of us could work hard enough to earn the grace that God so freely gives to us. That is why this can't be a merit-based thing. That is why we can't work hard enough for it. You can't work hard enough for salvation. You can't work hard enough for it. 
You cannot work hard enough to be able to endure some of the trials and tribulations that are so common in life. A commentator reminds us that the God who holds the flowers and feeds the birds, he gives us more than we deserve. That is the main principle of this parable, that we get more than we deserve, that we get more than we can earn. The emphasis on this, of this parable is really not on the full-day workers. Not really. It's not about them. That's, yeah, they, they're here, the full-day workers are here. And we already said that listen, God extended grace to them because they didn't have to be children. But it's really not about them. This parable is truly about the others, particularly those who were chosen during the eleventh hour. Because Jesus wanted us to see something here. They did not, and they could not, work for what they received. That's what grace is. Grace exceeds all you and I can do after hiring everyone he needed he still got others likely that they didn't belong to a union to whom they could complain but he still gave them a full day's pay he still gave them a full day's pay you see let me tell you something about grace what this parable teaches us. The parable helps us to see that this master of the vineyard, he's no one's debtor at all. He gave them more than they deserve. No one could truly complain. David reminded us of this truth. God is no one's debtor in First Chronicles. Chapter 29, verse 14. This is what it says. But who am I? What is my people? This is David now praying to the Lord. He's collecting goods to construct the temple. He says, but who am I? What is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? Then he says, for all things come from you, and your own have we given to you. David recognizes that everything belongs to the Lord, and he says, we here, we here say that we are giving to the Lord. He says, but the reality is that everything comes from you. And we are giving back to you what you have given to us. Grace is too valuable to be earned. Too valuable. God's blessings are too valuable to be earned. Seventh and final point. This parable teaches us many who are called, who are first will be last and the last first. Many, many 
fourth foot will be last and the last first. I'll admit that this is hard to understand. What does it mean? What does what is Jesus truly saying to us? Is he saying to us that, you know, maybe some would get from this that we ought to be last, that Christians ought to live a life of poverty? Um, I don't think that's it at all. Scripture does not support that. Is it that those who have been believers longest are going to be disadvantaged or are disadvantaged? I don't believe that at all. In fact, I think that the parable speaks specifically to that as well. I think that when the weight of the entire parable is taken along with the conversation that Jesus had prior with his disciples. Jesus is emphasizing that those recently converted do not stand to be less beneficiaries of grace than others. In other words, Jesus is saying, you know, you can't be half saved. Or you can't be partly saved. Jesus is making the point that one will not be half saved or half blessed. So though you might become a Christian or you might receive grace for something later in life or just momentarily, just, just recently, sorry, Jesus is saying that you are not trailing, you're not behind others. Yes, there will be people in heaven who, like one of the thieves crucified with Jesus, have been converted on their deathbeds. I think that's the point. He's not left behind. The message to his disciples, the message to his disciples and to us is that we should not begrudge them. We should not begrudge people who, you know, sometimes you see someone who's been living sinful life decades and then they wait until then, I shouldn't say that they wait, but sometimes later, much later in life, the Lord saves them. And you wonder, it's like all of these years we've been laboring. I think Jesus is helping us to see that there is no distinction between such individuals and ourselves. We should rejoice because we're not, we're not being shortchanged by what the Lord is doing for that. We're not being shortchanged because of the reward that our neighbors receive. See, this economy that Jesus teaches us about in this parable. This is turning upside down what we used to. Jesus turns it upside down. Now I'm not saying to you who are employers, Tim, don't go to work tomorrow and do this now with Jesus. Did. I'm not saying to that. Not at all, right? 
But Jesus turns it upside down. Grace is about God and the compensation. You know, this reward thing that that we want, that these full day laborers were looking for. Compensation is about us. Grace is about God, but compensation is about us. Compensation for work is about us. Compensation is about hours worked, quality of work given, this and that. Grace is about the goodness of God. And you tell me where you want to be. Grace or you want to be on the other side. You want to be you want to be compensated for being good or you want grace. Compensation is about fairness. You know, you compensate. Grace is about generosity. Compensation would lead to arrogance. Or in some instances, that's low self-esteem. Grace is the breeding ground for humility. Grace. I have it, I am who I am, because of God alone. Compensation is selfish. Grace is selfless. Compensation is about the accumulation of stuff. Grace. Right now, just as you are. Yes, you can in this moment, in this moment right now, you can have all the grace you need despite who you are, where you have been, what you have done. That's what this parable is about. And right now, where you are, no matter what you've done, where you've been, I'd rather of grace that have what I deserve. Rather have grace than have what I deserve. So we continue today. It's a couple of Because God is gracious to us. Stands grace to us. We ought to be gracious to others. I wrote that down trembling. Because yesterday I had occasion I could have extended grace to someone and I didn't do that. I didn't do that. And this was, and, and interestingly, this person was looking for me and I made a mistake. I didn't agree with him when I would pay him. I thought he, he would know that I would do what, would, what he would do ordinarily. But he changed the spirit for me. He said, no, I don't work by the hour anymore. I work based on the task. And I was taken aback by that. And I said, OK, what do you want? Take it, and that's the end of it. That was not a gracious response to that person. We, he and I, we need to talk. My point is, the Lord God is gracious to us. And we ought to extend grace to others. Second point is that Jesus Christ is the embodiment of God's grace. He's the essence of God's grace. Jesus Christ comes to us 
even now. Our prayer even now is that the eyes of those who are unsaved will be opened. That God would extend grace to the unsaved. That he would be pleased to open their eyes. Our prayer is that those who need grace to endure some challenging circumstances Grace to overcome some difficulty. And the Lord would be pleased to extend grace. These are some of the words of the song that we will sing in just a moment. Your grace that leads the sinner home. Only God's grace. From death to life forever and sings the song of righteousness by blood and not by merit. Not the Lord, and it's not our own that we receive grace. Father, what we ask in the name of Jesus, these would not be empty words to us. Lord, that our hearts would be gladdened today as we reflect on this parable. Lord, that we would see ourselves truly as we are, ordinary, in need of grace. In need of grace every day and every hour. Lord, we pray that you would grant to us the wherewithal, the reminder, presence to, to ask you for grace. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, cause us, O oh Lord, to rely not on our abilities, but rather, Lord, on your grace. Lord, we'd rather have grace cause that to be our true disposition. Lord, we would rather have grace. Rather have grace. Lord, help us today. Lord, help the one who is struggling today with sin. Help the one who is struggling today dealing with a difficult circumstance. Stand, O oh Lord, grace we pray. Lord, as you did in the parable, extend grace to us as our prayer. Lord, if you, if you grant us grace, we can do it. We can handle it, Lord. We can handle it. So, Lord, we, we ask for grace. Lord, help us to see ourselves the way you see us. Lord, we, our prayer truly, Lord, is that the things that we preach about, the things that we read about, the things that we pray about, that they will become real, more real in our lives, Lord. Help us to live them out. Grant to us grace to live them out. Grant us grace to walk as you would have us to walk. Grant us grace to live with one another as you would have us to live with one another. 
Lord, we pray even more earnestly, most earnestly, Lord, for those whose eyes are darkened by sin, who don't know you, Lord, we ask that you would grant grace to them. In the name of Jesus, we pray, and all God's people say, Amen. I am restored, 
And now I freely walk into the arms of Christ my Lord. Thank you so much for laboring to bring God's word to us. It's a certainly not an easy passage. He made it profitable to us to be able to see that in a world that's based on one's efforts, in the kingdom of God, is based on grace. If you have to listen this morning, I think you should be thankful that it's based on grace, not based on effort, not based on merit, and deservedness. Pray, Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for grace. Without it, Lord, we would have no standing with you. We would not have a chance. But we rejoice in the grace of God that has come to us through Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, may those of us who have trusted the Savior leave today rejoice in this Sunday. Lord, may those who do not know the Savior, may they take heed to the word that Christ Jesus has come into the world to save sinners. Not to give them justice, that they deserve the grace that they do not deserve. And so Lord, I pray that there would not be one today that present or listening by live stream who don't know the Savior, who will not today repent and believe the gospel for the forgiveness of sins. Now the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. We're dismissed. Thanks for being out this morning. God bless you.